There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. Your weekend home for all things sports. This is The Grill on Dubai Eye 103.8. 4001, if you want to have your say, get in touch with the show at Dubai I1038FM, hashtag Dubai I1038. Obviously, goes without saying, there's not much in the way uh, of uh, live sport at the moment for us to talk about, but no shortage of talking points when it comes to sport. That's why myself, Tom Urquhart, Robbie Greenfield and Chris McCarty around this table uh, talking about the fallout from sport. One story that Robbie's uh, had his eye caught by is this new index, Rob, that uh, is doing the rounds at the moment in the world of football. Tell me more. Yeah, there's um, a Euro Club Index. They've ranked, basically, they've fed 100,000 simulations into the computer. And they've come up with the percentage points for the likelihood of certain eventuations in this ongoing and obviously truncated now Premier League season and and the the five major European leagues as well. So this is interesting. They've said that with 100% certainty, Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool. It's like I said to you, Chris, 100%. No! I think think you could have that. You could play that 100 times out of 100 and Liverpool would win the league. They've got 25-point lead over Manchester City and Manchester City only have 30 points to play for. so 100 times out of 100, I think, listen, even, the, even those who would delight the most in a Liverpool collapse could never really appreciate Null or void. admit that <laughs> Liverpool... Apparently this computer reckons that they're going to end on 102 points, which will eclipse the, the 100 points that Manchester City racked up in 2017-18. Interestingly, there's a big favourite in all five of the major leagues. There's Liverpool with 100%. Um, the computer has worked out that Bayern Munich have an 84.37% chance of winning the Bundesliga. Italy's top side, Juve, to win a ninth successive Serie A, 83.98%. Paris Saint-Germain, 99.98%. I mean, give them a trophy already. <laughs> the, the, the one in the, that's a little bit more in the balance than that is, is obviously over in Spain. Barcelona, still heavy favourites, though, to beat Real Madrid, 74.22%. You'll be pleased to know, Chris, that the computer also rates Manchester United's chance of finishing in the top five... At seventy three point seven five percent, computer says, so yeah. get Manchester City out of there, and Man United are going to be in the Champions League if it ever let's happens see. next season. Well, let's see if the football times for the beautiful game, uh, and so many different talking points as well, Chris. So I mean, many the, the, the business of sport, what footballers are doing to keep themselves match fit at the moment. So much going on. Yeah, football agents as well, and that brings us on to our next guest because delighted to say that a man who we had in this very studio a few months back, a man with over twenty five years in the business, he'll be quick to tell me it's probably probably 26 to be exact. He became one of the very first FIFA registered football agents in the UK. He's worked with the likes of Christian Canembu, with Roberto Carlos. He is still doing his good bit in the world of football agency. He's now mentoring as well uh, football agents, young men and women who want to get into the business. It is John Viola and he joins us live on the line, I think from Glasgow. I think that's where you are, John, is it? Hey, Chris. Yes, I'm in sunny Glasgow today. How are you? <laughs> Very well indeed, John. Great to have you on the show live from sunny Glasgow. Football agency. There'll be those, and we spoke about it, spoke about it at length with you, there'll be some that are listening into this show right now and thinking, here we go again, football agents. But let's be real about this. Your business has been impacted massively with the COVID-19. Give us a bit of an insight into exactly the conversations that you've had in recent weeks and how does it affect you guys moving forward? It's just the same as any any other business. Uh, when there's a downturn, and, and it's more than a downturn at the moment, as you know, Chris, uh, we're concerned about what's going to happen to our players, concerned about what's going to happen 
to clubs to see if they'll sort of survive, and that will have an impact on how we go forward in the future. Give us a bit of an insight, John, if you can, in the conversations that you're having. We'll get to the players in just a moment, but there is no doubt, and again, a lot of publications, a lot of outlets have been reporting on the Premier League situation, and there are one or two that have been reporting. When you get lower down the football pyramid, we are not overselling this. There are clubs that very existence is on the line here, isn't it? Hundreds of them, worldwide. Thousands, I think, because they're panicking, and that's the word that I would use. Many clubs, chairmen and chief executives that I've spoken to at the lower levels, if you're talking about League One and Two in the UK and in Scotland, and all across Europe and in South America, they're all worried because they're losing income and they're, they're worried about going out of business. It's a, it's a, it's a major thing. I don't, wanna, I don't need really names here, John, but are, are you fielding phone calls from some of your clients whereby they are being asked to take pay cuts? We have. We've had a couple of clubs here in Scotland too, have, uh, and it's well documented to have said that they, they have the vast players to take uh, as much as 50% discount and their wages uh, right away to, to keep the clubs surviving. So that's where the word panic comes in, probably. John, looking ahead and, and, and perhaps looking into the, ne- the future months and maybe even years here, is this disaster, is this going to correct football? Do you think that this will inevitably and ultimately lead to lower transfer fees, lower salaries being accepted by top footballers? Is the amount of money that is going to drain out of the game going to have a lasting impact on the sport? I think there'll be a financial reality will come into play, definitely. Uh, People will sit down and realise that what was being paid uh, was maybe too much. And for clubs and players... And associations, I'm sure, it was some type of financial reality, in my opinion. John, a lot of uh, has been made of the fact that I think now we're up to the 30th of April. That's what the Premier League and the EFL clubs have said. There will not be football up until the 30th of April, at the very least, and we're expecting that to go a lot deeper. Premier League have also come out to say it's indefinite. They want to finish this league season. One thing that complicates that, of course, is that an awful lot of players are out of contract on June the 30th. You're well aware of that fact. I'm sure you've got one or two yeah. clients yourself who will be out of contract. What's the answer to that? Will it be a case-by-case basis? Are you already having conversations with your clients and the clubs? What will be the answer to that situation? You know what, Chris? Nobody knows, nobody knows the answer to that. What some clubs have maybe been muted to me is that it might take, a, maybe take the a bit longer, three or four months gives uh, players time to try and work out how to, uh, an extra three or four months on a contract to try and work out situations. But to be honest, nobody really knows. Everybody is trying to work out solutions, especially for the people that are out of contract. And as FIFA have said, you know, it's exceptional measures and big decisions need, need to be made, especially to, especially to players that are out of contract. Mm. It's very worrying. John, just give us an insight, if I can. I can't think of a better man to ask this question to. We talked a lot about the impact on clubs, on chairmen, on sponsors, on broadcasting. Um, and I just want to spare a moment for the players themselves. And before anyone starts texting and going, yeah, get paid so much money, who cares about the players themselves? <laughs> just in terms of the psyche of a football player, a per- an individual who is so used to the training ground routine, the bonhomie of teammates, etc. Uh, what's this like? Because this is a new norm for them. How do they stay actively mentally fit and physically fit from their home and is that a worry 
listen, you've used a great word to mentally, because a lot of these guys are programmed to get up at a certain time, programmed to take a lunch or dinner, when they're to finish work, when they're to, finish, uh, when they're to do extra training. It's, with that part, I believe a lot of them are struggling with. I've spoke to a lot of them, and again, it's the it's you know sitting at home saying, "Wow, well, you know this is alien to them," you know. Whereas with other people, it's not alien. It's it's a big problem mentally. As as far as the fitness goes, a lot of them have, have got their own gym at the highest level, at the lowest level. They're doing they're out track running the streets or whatever. But I think it's more of a mental problem rather than the, the, what will happen with the physical get the physicality back. But the mental thing definitely is causing a wee bit of anxiety amongst the players that I'm speaking to. We speculated, John, five days ago, the, the four different sort of scenarios that might see this league season eventually play out. And, and in, in, in the last couple of days, we've seen UEFA insist that they want the seasons to finish. We've seen the Premier League yeah. insist that they want the season to finish come what may. Gary Neville's been talking about a nine-day festival of football. The players will do whatever it takes to get this season finished. From a contract point of view... Do you think that the contracts of these players have to be in line with the completion of this season? Do there need to be some kind of force majeure that just basically says, listen, we can't have you moving after June or whatever, whenever it is. What is it? The contract June 30th. June 30th. In other words, do they need to suspend that? Or are we going to see a scenario whereby we're trying to get this season finished and players are moving to and fro? I think there's got to be some type of negotiation for flexibility here. Rather than just saying it finishes today, you're finished. For me, these players don't know, and nobody knows exactly what's going to happen, but I think there's got to be a flexibility of conversation between the clubs, FIFA players, either extensions to contracts. I think that's what's got to happen. There's got to be some flexibility. Let me ask John, and this is a personal or a professional, you can answer it with either hat on here, what do you want to see? And again, we're looking into a crystal ball, we're speculating wildly, we don't know if this is two months or five months down the line, but do these seasons, as you, in your opinion, do they need to be finished? Now, me personally, I would love to see the Premier League in particular being uh, finished, even if well, it has to be behind closed doors, in my opinion. I would love to see that played out because that's going to cause massive complications if it's not. So for me, I would like to see as many competitions as, as possible finished, even if it's behind closed doors. That's I've got, opinion. I want to ask as well, John, and, and this is probably, there's not many people listening into the show that will probably care other than me on this question, but Scottish football, <laughs> I'm out of the loop so much now, John. Scottish football clubs, below Celtic Rangers, Aberdeen Hearts, Hibs, massive clubs in their own right in Scotland, lower down the pyramid, is Scottish football in grave danger here if this lasts three, four, five months? Definitely. A good 40 to 50% of the clubs uh, under Celtic and Rangers are facing liquidation or, or definitely major problems uh, come, uh, coming forward. But we're hoping that somewhere down the line, either the associations or the government will help these institutions or these, uh, these clubs. Now, John, it's important. I did say that you've been in the industry an awful long time. You're, you're now you're, you're branching out a little bit. You are mentoring young agents. Is that on hold? Are you still getting phone calls? Are you still getting people that say, once all this dies down, I want to move into the world of agency? No, everybody. It's actually even even better at the moment because our courses that we how we're teaching people is most of it's online, and this is a period where the football community is doing nothing. So we're finding that people are contacting us and saying, right, this is a great period. To, uh, to learn your online courses and, and uh, find out what it's like to be a football agent and possibly get mentored in the future. Yeah, that is G- uh, jvacademy.co.uk. Great website, John. I've been on it myself. You may just find me signing up for it because uh, 
yeah, I might need to become might, an agent. He's going to complete football manager at this rate, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a great yeah, website. Uh, Chris, I've got, I've got one wee challenge for you. I don't know if you know what the, all, these, all these footballers are doing to pass time. But they're, they're, in the UK at the moment, there's a big fad game about uh, of the toilet roll challenge. Do you know what that is? <laughs> I know. Oh, he knows about it. We just haven't seen a video, John. So, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, asking to see that video within the next 24 hours. Brilliant. Right. Uh, Fine, John. You've otherwise, got otherwise, otherwise, I'm not coming back on. You were telling me about how good a footballer you were the last time I saw you. Let's see it I'll live. Let, I'll let you into a little secret, John. I have attempted to film me doing that up for about an hour and a half. The most I've got is two. So until I get at least three, I'm not posting anything. And how many rolls have you ruined in the process? Please. I've, I've ruined an awful lot. No wonder I can't find any in the supermarket. <laughs> Uh, just don't embarrass Scotland Don't embarrass Scotland with two If you don't get any more than five Just don't do it I won't I've got 24 hours Give me the 24 hours John Unless you bless you my man Thank you for sparing okay. The 15 minutes to have okay, that wee guys. chat with us today Cheers John Okay great speaking to you All the best Thank you Cheers John stay safe. Thank you very much indeed John Viola John Viola for joining us live on the line uh, We are going to take a short breath uh, To count out the number of times we've said Unprecedented and uncertain And we will be back with more You're listening to The Grill. More of the biggest sports stories now. On Dubai Eye 103.8. Good on your arch. Thanks for joining the conversation. The conversation that includes myself, Tom Merkett, Chris McCarty, Robbie Greenfield and Raj at the moment. Uh, Thank you for your thoughts. Keep them coming in. 4001. Have your say online at Dubai Eye 103.8 FM at Dubai Eye Sports. Uh, Raj says uh, certain industries uh, like those selling gym equipment uh, have sold out their stuff since people prefer to train in open places now because uh, of the fears. Got to spend money on finding uh, vaccines for the people suffering all around the world. Uh, Take out money from the super rich. Spend on producing vaccines. Support doctors and nursing staff. And before you know it, sport will be back on our screens. Thank you very much indeed, Raj, uh, for your dirham uh, your dirham of thoughts, as you put them there. Uh, Our thanks to eight dirhams, actually, Raj. But <laughs> <laughs> done yourself out there. Uh, listen, we've just been talking to John there about uh, footballers, the psyche of footballers. Uh, let's get the or thoughts of another footballer uh, in the mix here, uh, because uh, Manchester United goalkeeper uh, Lee Grant. Well, not actually goalkeeper, is he? He's like the third reserve. Is he's, that right? He's, yeah, he's the third. So uh, if David de Gea gets injured, you've got Sergio Romero. If Sergio Romero gets injured, you've got Lee Grant. Um, Lee Grant uh, has been talking about the new norm for footballers. I mean, you'd think that Lee would know a thing or two about sitting around on benches and things like that, (laughs) wouldn't you? But that's doing him a disservice. Uh, Obviously a well-travelled footballer during his uh, career. Uh, But he's been talking about the difficulties of trying to find different ways to stay active in more ways than one. We'll get the thoughts of uh, Lee Grant in a few moments. Time here he is. Well, it's difficult, of course. That's our day job. And that's the, uh, that's the job we all want to be out doing. But of course, right now, the priority is making sure we're doing the right things and, and the responsible thing, which is, a, you know, I think is important for everybody to take note of right now. Um, and what's the latest at the club? Are you still trading together or have you got your own individual programmes? So we're all on um, individual programmes currently. Um, the club have done a, a really good job, actually, of being in contact with the players, keeping us informed. Um, so, yeah, we've all got our own programs to follow. Um, we're all doing that the best we can with the equipment we have available. Um, and, yeah, just trying to stay as active, 
physically and mentally as possible, really. I mean, many people watching us right now will, will be working from home, getting used to that, trying to get their own heads around it. Are you finding it difficult yourself? Have you got any tips for them? Of course, it's not easy. Um, as I say, we'd all much rather be at the training centre um, in the surroundings that we're used to, but we have to adapt. And I think that's the case for everybody in this climate currently. Um, it's unusual. Of course, it's unprecedented. It's the word that I've heard a lot used recently. Um, I think it's it's important that we all get creative with um, staying active, staying fit. Um, and as I say, it's as important to do that mentally as it is physically, because I know that, um, you know, I, as much as anybody, really sort of suffer with being bored or being stuck at home and not being able to do the things I want to do. So, um, yeah, the wife's keeping me active and um, has got a long list of jobs for me to do um, in this period. And look, uh, we wonder what you what you made of the the announcement yesterday uh, to extend the, the Premier League uh, indefinitely. How how will this affect you? Well, it's the right thing to do in terms of the advice that I'm um, sort of hearing and listening in terms of um, you know the wider government advice. Um, as players, as I said earlier, we all want to get back out there as soon as possible, but we're also conscious that we want to do it when it's safe to do so. Um, we don't want to be endangering other people. Uh, of course, we are, you know, sort of on tender hooks, really waiting to see as and when we can get back into the training ground and get active as a group. Um, but until then, we have to make things and um, follow the protocols that the club and the government and everybody else has given us. Manchester United player Lee Grant giving his thoughts there. That was a question that I had for you because I was listening on with interest to uh, off script extra time. Throughout, well, I was just listening in actually, uh, but I was listening uh, nonetheless to your discussion. Because there's nothing else to do. It's what you're trying to say, Tom. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was just on the drive home. Uh, but Thanks I was listening, that. and it was about the sort of, you know, the, the, the whole question mark over Premier League and when, what, ifs, etc. And the one question I sort of came away with, but I'm not spending four minutes on it, uh, it was, uh, was the question of uh, match fitness. Mm. Because, you know, all this talk about uh, players getting ready, and you hear there from Lee about him training at home, etc. But he's got a unique set of skills in terms of, uh, of, 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 of his role on the, on the field. But how often do you you know how often do we get to the beginning of a season and we get bad football yeah. for about four weeks because yeah. mm. the players aren't match ready they're fit and they've done their pre-season but they're just disjointed and that's after pre-season friendlies as well yeah. you're absolutely right Tom and you make a very valid point that when we do get the football season kicking off again the we're going to see matches. some shocking football the, the, and it should be it should be, be what great. is it how many games left 10 games 9, Nine some, games some teams that should 10. be the one that yeah. should be the time isn't it when you get the best games the closest games etc exactly that and and you, you know what you, you raise a very valid point that, and especially if it's behind closed doors as well which for all intents and purposes is if it looks like it will be the case so you've got behind closed doors you've got half-baked footballers it's just a case though let's just get it done Let's draw a line under it because I think the three of us agree in this room. Unless I'm wrong, we're going to get it finished. So then, that does that not add more weight? I know you're not going to say yes to this, but does that not add more fuel to the to Robbie's solution to the whole thing, which is give it to the champions now? Well, I've no problem. Honestly, I've no problem because there are they are 25 the points index. clear. Give the league to Liverpool. <laughs> the only issue I have, Tom, is and you're going to say this. You're a West Ham fan. You are going to run in to legal wranglings for months, if not years, because right now Norwich, Villa, and Bournemouth, they are not getting relegated. They are not having it. They are not having it at all because I believe the constitution, when it comes to a Premier League, is the season must finish. And if you start saying, I tell you what, we're going to freeze it. Well done, you Liverpool. You three are down. No chance. What I actually think will happen, and again, this is only my opinion, reading between the lines, 
Liverpool are going to be awarded the title. The three who are in the bottom three will stay up. Liverpool are champions, little asterisks, call it what you will beside their name because the season's not finished. The three that are in the bottom three, Norwich, Bournemouth and Villa, they're going to be back to do it again next season. That's where I think we're headed. Because the legal ramifications of relegating those three, one of them, Villa, have a game in hand. I mean, just thinking about it now gives me a headache. That will not happen. So the, the two will come up or no, none will come well, up? Well, again, I go back to, to what I was hearing and I know it's one solution. I know the Premier League have come out. They don't want to speculate. They've said that's, that's nonsense, that that is the favoured solution. I would still be surprised if Leeds and West Brom do not come up. Because again, at their end there'll be re- legal ramifications. So I actually think the, the solution right now that I think will happen will be that next season we'll see 22 teams in the Premier League and there'll be four going down, maybe even five going down, which seems crazy, but maybe even five going down, which would allow two again from the Championship to come up with the winner from the playoffs to get it back down to 20. That could well happen. I, I set out on this show you know, not wanting to be too much... Of a pessimist, because I think you know these these are just, it's just the new normal. We just got to get on with it, yeah. and we have got to make the best of it, etc. Concern for me is not just the current situation. The concern for me is also the suggestion that this is something we've got to get used to in the coming years. Year on year, yeah, around flu season, because so, without so, a vaccine, without without with, with with the suggestions being that this is going to be something that we have to deal with every flu season, then how do you start planning ahead for that? Oof. I mean, I, I was thinking about this as well. In other words, unless this is knocked on the head entirely in the next six months, it's going to rear its head again. Yeah, that's in, the suggestion in, now, uh, yeah. in, in 12 months' time. Don't and then what do you do? Yeah, no, no. It's, it's definitely, I mean, it's something that people are talking about. I've, I've been glued to the news. And it's, just, again, you sometimes want to just walk, get away from it yeah. and, and not think about it. But it's, it's almost like you just can't tear your eyes away from the news because every single, every single story is just, is one apocalyptic story after the next but absolutely if it's not if, if a successful vaccine is 18 months away once you develop a success, successful vaccine you've got to make it available mm. when when will it be made available to the masses when will herd immunity kick in when will this not be such a dangerous thing for particularly vulnerable vulnerable um, individuals to mm. catch you know it, it might not be this time next year but, and, and then if, if, if there's another outbreak in a year's time, sport once again thrown into absolute disarray. So it just, it, it really does, yeah. It makes, um, yeah. it makes talk about finishing this season yeah. in that respect seem so, so academic. But, so actually, but it's, it's, it's a fatalistic approach, isn't it? It's one of those, we, we've, we've got to deal with what we've got at hand rather yeah. than, but it's, it, it, I'm the same as Robbie. I can't help but feel or look further down the line. I'm sure... That the powers that be out there, WHO and otherwise, working overtime on a vaccine at the moment. Mm. I'm sure that that will help us in the long run. Uh, obviously, it's too late for the current situation at present. But again, if it's not, then you can't help but think the what ifs. And then, oh, I mean, my goodness, I, I, and I mean this, you know, as people say it's only a game, it's only a sport, but it does mean an awful lot to millions of people. Well, exactly, you know, yeah. It, millions, and I'm, I'm a tragic. The, the three of us in this room... All the guests that we've had on have all said the tragic. power of sport, haven't they? And the power of sport and its livelihoods as well, Tom. Because as much as you say the Premier League's in your right, there'll be people out there saying, oh, they earn enough. Trickle down the sporting pyramid... And there are people who rely on it. I was reading an interesting article about one of the walkers heading over to the Olympic Games. One of the guys that was going for gold. Uh, I think it is Ian. Yeah, Brit. 
rate. And he was making the point that he's 20 grand down. He's yeah. got a family to feed. Where does he turn to? Yeah. That's sport at the lower kind of level, but lower elite level. That's scary to me. And I hadn't even contemplated the fact that we could be back here in 12 months' time and more issues. I mean, that's scary. More football for you in a few moments' time. But before that, we talk golf next. This is The Grill. On Dubai I 103.8. You are listening to The Grill uh, live from the studios at the moment in association with our friends at Barasti. Uh, and we're just taking a bit of a trip around the world of sport at the moment. Look at the impact uh, that specific sports are having at present. Let's turn our attention, if we can, to the world of golf. A couple of headlines for you. Paul Casey uh, saying, within the last 24 hours he would support any decision to postpone the Ryder Cup because of the coronavirus crisis. Uh, the Europe Ryder Cup captain Podrick Harrington says he expects the tournament to be played this year amid reports of it being postponed until 2021. Uh, problems for players, problems for caddies, problems for sponsors, problems for the schedulers. Don't worry, Robbie Greenfield's here to sort it all out. No, I don't know about that. One good thing that's come out of this is that a lot of golfers in their boredom, I think, are posting tips on their Instagram and social media and Twitter feeds. And I'm getting, I'm gleaning a lot out of these tips being posted. I'm also getting depressed because one man who we're about to welcome into the conversation posted an image, a video, I should say, of Brooks Kepka, his charge, of course, four-time major winner, former world number one, hitting a 293-yard drive yeah. and 196-yard eight, eight-iron left-handed. <laughs> I should point out at this point that he is a right-handed player. Let's bring one of the world's foremost golf coaches, one of the, the legendary golf coaches on the planet, and of course part of that legendary Harmon family. He is, of course, the, the Claude Harmon Performance Golf Academy owner and proprietor over here in Dubai as well. It is the one and only Claude Harmon. Good friend of the show. Claude, how are you? You know, Robbie, I'm... Uh... I'm on lockdown like everybody else. <laughs> yeah. You're watching Brooks Kepka hit 293-yard drives left-handed, Claude. Yeah, I mean, we were hitting balls. Uh, he's, it's, a, it's been interesting. There's not really much we can do. So, um, you know, he wants to try and keep practicing, and we're trying to stay as far away from each other as we can when we're, we're practicing. And, um, yeah, he was hitting some balls. Uh, I can play golf both left and right-handed, but i left-handed my left-handed clubs yesterday and ricky and justin thomas played a a left-handed match and kind of posted pretty much the whole thing on social media the other day so i said to brooks we should we should try and get him to play so we hit some and we we posted it it was pretty funny i suppose the one thing that golf has got going for it over other sports claude i mean it's it's impossible right now for footballers to train together they're not allowed to do that golfers can at least go out and play together, they can at least attempt to stay tournament sharp during these incredibly uncertain times, where, of course, we know now that the first two majors of the year have been postponed indefinitely. Yeah, I mean, certainly at my club, Robbie, I mean, we're still open, and, um, you know, I think people are trying to get outside. Uh, you know, as a, as, a, as, a, as a club, we've taken all the, all the pins out of the, out of the holes and, all, and taken all the rakes off the golf course, so just to try and, you know, not have, you know, everyone touching kind of the same things. But um, I think it's a really interesting time, you know, globally um, for everybody and, you know, sports, uh, because it is so popular. I think people are realizing how, how much sports are a part of everyone's life as there is really nothing going on right now. Yeah. What about the, 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 the golf schedule, Claude? I mean, 
again, we've been speculating all, all, all afternoon, really, all evening about how much of an impact this will have. We've had a tennis journalist on the line saying there may not be tennis played this year. We don't yet know the full gravity, the full severity of what is unfolding. We know that the Masters has been postponed. I, I've read a story on Golf Digest to say that there's been a sudden spike in hotel fees for October in Augusta, which people are putting two and two together with and maybe coming up with five. Who knows? But do you think the majors will take place this year or are we going to lose this year when it comes to major championships? You know, Robbie, I think it's it's a moving target, isn't it? I mean, we're we're seeing different things, you know, happening every day. And I think if you think about, you know, when I was at, the Arnold Palmer Invitational a couple weeks ago, a uh, week before the Players' Championship. And, and if you look at what the world looked like two weeks ago versus what it looks like today, and then you wonder what it's going to look like, you know, even, you know, a month from now. So, you know, we've been hearing rumors. I mean, ob- the, the big issue at Augusta is the condition of the golf course. Um, Augusta National normally closes probably – not long after the tournament, which is normally in April. I think they close sometime in, 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 in the month of May. And then they don't reopen um, normally until sometime in October. So I think the issue is going to be um, if they were going to try and postpone the event, to, we're hearing, you know, I've heard rumors like yeah, everybody has, you know, sometime in October, what would the condition of the golf course be like? And, I think a lot of that will depend on what happens through the summer months. Um, you know, to me, one of the big telltale signs of what's going to happen is, is what would happen at Wimbledon. You know, that's pretty much in the middle of the summer. And if that doesn't go ahead, you just wonder if you could see anything happening, you know, a couple of months later. Mm. Claude, great to have you on the line. What, what are the players? Obviously, you're charged, Brute Kepka. Relaxed? How would you describe the kind of atmosphere among the players? I, I appreciate you're in touch with an awful lot of them. I'm sure they're in touch with you, Claude. What is the general feeling amongst the players? Well, there's not really... I think right now, I think everybody, not only athletes, but, you know, everybody in general is just trying to figure out what the new normal of their lives are. I mean, you know, these guys, even though they're, you know, great athletes and superstars and people know them, they're still trying to do the same things that everybody else is doing. You know, Brooks and I have been talking all week about, you know, the grocery stores in our, in our area. We kind of all live in the same area, you know, which ones have, you know, meat and water and toilet paper. And, you know, they're, they're kind of doing the same thing as, as everybody else. I think anytime, athletes lives are disrupted i think it it just it it proves to them how regimented their lives really are i mean you know tour players i mean brooks was in the in the midst of playing five weeks in a row and you know that kind of routine of of getting up every day and working out and going and playing golf i mean the the players are used to doing that and i think you know it's not like you can imagine that you're on vacation right now because there's there's nowhere really to go and everybody Mm. has really stopped traveling so, um, you know, the, the thing that I, as long as golf courses are still open and, and as long as, you know, we can do what we need to do, you know, social distancing from, you know, each other, I think Brooks wants to stay sharp because we don't know how long. It's not like he can just quit playing golf and, and, and not do anything for the next two, three months. So um, it's just a really interesting time. And I think it's, um, you know, hopefully um, – the world can, you know, 
you know, come out of this in a better place. And I think, you know, the athletes that, that I know are basically just doing the same thing that everybody else is doing. I want to move away just from golf for a second, if I can, Claude. We know from having you on the show that you are a man that follows every other sport. You've got a knowledge about other sports. Big story in the US over the course of the last 72 hours or so has been Tom Brady leaving the New England Patriots. Confirmation yesterday that he has signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. How has that story gone down in the US? Because it's dominating... I believe the ESPNs and the Fox Sports of this world. Yeah, I think you know Tom Brady is one of these iconic um, sportsmen. You know, certainly in America, he's, he's probably one of, if not the the biggest um, athlete um, in the U.S. And I think um, you know everybody was really interested on where he was going to go and what he was going to do. Um, I think the situation in Tampa Bay. Um, you know, there's a lot of pieces. If you if you if you look at what's being reported, there's a lot of Things that make sense there. Yeah, I think the GM of, of, the, of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers now was part of the, the group that drafted Tom Brady originally to the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, their wide their, their wide receiver um, lineup. Um, he'll have tools in Tampa that Tampa Bay that he didn't have necessarily up in New England. And I think it's just an, uh, it's the next chapter of his life. I mean, if you talk to, to, to people that know him and. I know some people that have been around him. They they say he really wants to play until the age of 45. That's kind of wow. the goal. So he's got a couple of years left. And, um, you know, it'll be very, very interesting to see how he plays, um, you know, with a different team in a different city. But I think the, the hardest thing for someone, you know, that has played so long in the same place, guys, will just be him seeing him in a different jersey. I mean, seeing him come out in Tampa Bay and, um, it really is a very, very different atmosphere, and um, I think everybody's really excited to to see what happens. But you know, that's so far away. I mean, yeah. are we even going to see football? Yeah, amazing. Uh, let me just bring it back to golf, if I can, Claude, just very, very briefly. And, and again, this is a question that seems a bit strange to ask under current circumstances, having all these things being somewhat put into perspective. But I've got to get your take on this, because I know through conversations that we've had in the past that I know you'd have an opinion on this. Brooks, of course, came out not so long ago, very much against this new Premier Golf League, as has John Rahm, as has Rory McIlroy. And the top three saying no to it has, has seemed, to, to, my, to my sort of uh, leaning at least, has kind of put an end or, put, or, or kind of killed it really before it really got off the ground. But I know you're, you're a man that, that, that appreciates the sport's need to keep evolving and keep growing. I mean, was that Premier Golf League concept something that intrigued you? Yeah, I mean, I think any time... Robbie, you can have the best players in the world get together more often. Um, I think there were a lot of good things that, that, that the, the Premier Golf League were trying to do. Um, but is the grass going to be greener? And, you know, you can say what you want about the, the, the PGA Tour and, and some of the things that they do, but they do a pretty good job at, you know, producing a, a pretty good product. And, um, I know Rory and and I know Brooks were 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 talking about the fact that the the schedule was somewhat by the league and the sponsors. They were I think touting that as it was guaranteed. And you know there are players that it doesn't really. I, I think the interesting thing, guys, is players aren't as motivated by money as you think they are because you know obviously the money aspect of things is tremendous and you could go and you could go to the, the professional the new golf league and make a ton of money but 
the guys are already playing for a lot of money in the U.S. I think because it's not a team sport, the guys like to be able to kind of plan what their schedules are. I mean, Brooks and, you know, Tiger and, and Ricky Fowler all skipped the, the WGC in Mexico, which the purse is about the same as what the new golf league was saying that the purses were going to be. I think some of the players thought that the guaranteed and having to play 18 events was kind of a non-starter for them because they wanted to kind of be able to do their own schedule and kind of control their own destiny, so to speak. Um, I think it's made the PGA tour kind of rethink some things, um, you know, and, and I think um, it's been interesting to see how the tour has reacted um, but yeah, obviously, when you have the the number one, number two, and number three ranked players in the world say they're out, um, you know, where does this go from here? And I really don't know. Claude, just on that matter of of, of money, and I appreciate that most golfers aren't on a salary per se, but obviously, in terms of appearances, in terms of prize money, in terms of sponsors' money, etc., I'm just wondering whether sports will look to other sports in the coming months and during these unprecedented times we'll say it again um story coming out of the nba again must reiterate this is not confirmed as yet but sources within the nba suggesting that players will get their wages as scheduled on april the 1st but the fate of salaries beyond that date is unclear the next payday is april the 1st after that it would be april the 15th at that point they can't confirm whether the nba players would get their salaries is that is that is that something that other sports will need to address not just in terms of wages not just in terms of salaries but also in terms of the way sponsors go about the the remainder of their seasons well absolutely i mean i know the golfers you know, a lot of the players have been talking and I've been talking with, you know, a number of the agents as well. Most of the, 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 the tour contracts with regards to the manufacturers are tied into the player playing a specific set amount of tournaments. So now I think everybody in, in, in sports, but specifically in golf, is going to have to scramble. A lot of people's contracts are based off of how many world ranking points they accumulate in the course of the year. Um, I thought it was very interesting that they froze the world rankings based off of where they were before the players champ- or before the players championship because it's all based off of how many tournaments you have or playing over a two-year revolving schedule and how well you play. And so I do think it's going to be very interesting. I was talking to um, a, a Major League Baseball owner who's a member at my club saying, listen, baseball hasn't even started yet. So we're, we're trying to figure out now, are the players going to be paid? Because how can we as, as, as clubs pay them when they haven't played any actual games and the season hasn't started? So I think, you know, everybody is trying to adjust to, um, you know, what's going to happen. And obviously, guys, these are, these are first world problems yeah. trying to figure out yeah. if, if athletes are going to get paid, you know, the salaries that they get paid. Um, you know, the, the average everyday person is just trying to figure out, you know, how they can best provide and, and take care and, and, and protect their families. So I think everybody's kind of, it's one of these times, guys, where sports and athletes and, and, you know, famous people and musician and actors, sometimes they seem very distant from the rest of us. But right now, everybody is in the same boat. And mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how much money you've got. It doesn't matter how talented you are. You know, the, the coronavirus and, and the things that are happening around the world basically makes everybody one basic, you know, mm-hmm 
you know, part of humanity. And I think, you know, you know, the athletes and, and the golfers are, are in the same boat right now. You speak a lot of sense, so you do, Claude. Last one from me, and I want to get your thoughts again to echo what Robbie said. It seems folly to ask this question, but again, I want to get your opinion. I value your opinion on things like this. An announcement last week, I think it was, Tiger Woods to be inducted into the Golf Hall of Fame. Robbie and I were speaking about this off air, and Robbie's not happy. He's currently active. An active player in the Hall of Fame doesn't make sense to Robbie, and I've got to say, I lean towards him as well. Where are you sat on that one? Yeah, I think they, they a couple of years ago, you know, probably within the last 10, 15 years, there were a lot of guys. I remember when I was working with Ernie Els, and Ernie got inducted, and he was still playing, and then went, went on to win another major championship. Um, I think it's an interesting scenario to where they're trying to, to have a certain criteria. They've changed the criteria over the years. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, it's a foregone conclusion that Tiger Woods is going to be in the, in the, yeah. in the World Golf Hall of Fame. And you would think that it would happen when his, maybe his PGA Tour playing career was over. Um, but I just want to put it out there. Someone who I definitely think should get a nod for the World Golf Hall of Fame would be someone like my father and someone like David Ledbetter from the construction world. Because if you look at the landscape of what those two people have done for the game of golf, and how they've changed not only uh, professional golf and the way it's instructed, but you know it, it has allowed I think everybody who teaches golf to, to elevate what they do. And 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 I think it's 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 criminal that guys like David uh, um, Ledbetter and my dad aren't in the World Golf Hall of Fame. When you look at some of the guys that are from the various governing bodies and the RNA, USGA, and things like that, so. I'm, I'm going to put a petition for lead and, and, and my old man to definitely be included. Will be the first signatures on that, Claude. Absolutely <laughs> echo those sentiments. And just a, just a final one from me before we say goodbye to you. A lot of people out there listening into this show will be twiddling their thumbs, will be wondering what to do with themselves. Apart from Claude Harmon 3 on Instagram, which are the social media accounts that golfers have that we should be following? I mean, I think everybody's trying to, to, to come up with as much content as you can. I mean, the amazing thing right now is with everything that's kind of been taken away from people with 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 all the the things that we're trying to do for the virus if you do have a social media uh platform you basically have your own channel and, and you can put out content so um you know i'm going to try and continue to put out you know content on on things you can work on at home and you know there's tons of things that you can do if you're a golfer when you're at home i mean if you've got your golf club if you've got a putter if you've got you know stuff that you can do i mean you can stand in front of a mirror and you know, make 15, 20 shadow swings a day, try and put the golf club in a position that you want to put it in. I think, you know, um, you know, there's loads of things you can do with your putting stroke. There's a bunch of things that you can do from a fitness standpoint. So I think everybody, you know, from a content standpoint is trying to figure out ways to come up with new content. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, it's just going to keep posting old videos of Tiger Woods and, and make everybody happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those 2001 Tiger Woods golf swings. Keep those coming, Claude. Listen, thank you so much. We, we really appreciate you sparing the time to chat to us, of course, and uh, make sure you stay safe over there in Florida and, and keep, uh, keep updating us with the, the very depressing sight of Brooks Kepka hitting a 296-yard drive left-handed, okay? <laughs> the goal is, um, I talked to Ricky and Justin Thomas yesterday, so we're trying to get a match between Ricky and JT against me and Brooks sometime in the next week. So hopefully we can make that happen. Brilliant stuff. Listen, th- thanks so much, Claude. We'll talk to you soon. Great to talk to you guys. You're listening to The Grill. More of the biggest sports stories now. On Dubai Eye 103.8. 
4001 if you want to have your say uh, as we are coming towards the end of the second hour of the show. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's easy to get down in the dumps about the prospects of uh, sport anytime soon. But as all of our guests and, and of course, the team grill panelists have been saying, uh, you've just got to remember uh, that this is this is not going to be the norm forever, is it? I mean, this is this is something we're having to deal with at the moment. If we come together as a community, if we do our bit, we're going to get live sport sooner rather mm. than later. Are we? <laughs> yeah, we no, are, if, if we people are. do their bit. If we people are. don't do their I, bit. I, I go through, I fluctuate between waves of optimism and then a new crushingly depressing headline that pops up and just makes me suddenly... You know, think, oh, actually, this is way worse than, than I was starting to think it was. So I think everyone's going through these little troughs and peaks of of feeling positive about it. And then sometimes, you know, you see something, you read something, you watch something, and then it all just comes home to roost again that I think that's this is my so point, complicated. It's just, it's just this every single, if you look at sport as a whole, and then I think what we've gleaned from this is that Every sport has a different a different case. It's case by case basis, yeah. and uh, and every sport has a different territory, and every sport has a different format and a different schedule and a different infrastructure. And and once the dust settles on all of this and things get back to normal, or at least at least we begin to start thinking that things will get back to normal, just unpicking and unraveling all the knots that have been created from all of this, whether it be contracts, whether it be salaries, whether it be clubs that have gone into liquidation, whether it be broadcasters. I mean, tell you what, lawyers are going to be absolutely just jumping around, aren't they? Mm. Lawyers are going to be <laughs> coining it. Litigation. Yeah, you're and that, right. makes me, that, that makes me sad, actually, because at the end of the day... Well, that's strange you say that, because that that's one of the buzz industries, the boom industries over in China at the moment. And, you know, touch wood, China coming out on the other side of, of the problems no, they've nothing been against lawyers. By the way, nothing, nothing against lawyers. But I've, one got of the friends, things- I've got friends who are lawyers, but it just seems that when people are profiting over the, the kind of the picking of the bones almost... You know, it it just I don't know. It's it's the same with football agents. They're they're going to be making a truckload of money moving their players around as contracts spiral out of control. But they would have done that anyway. Oh no, yeah, you're right. But I hope if one good thing can come out of this, and I really when John Viola, the football agent we had on the line about half an hour ago, when he was talking about this maybe causing a correction, hmm. perhaps listen, perhaps Harry Maguire is not worth eighty five million. You know, maybe we we maybe this whole thing. Is, is a huge reality check. Mm. And that's what would be nice to come out of this, the insanity of money in sport, mm. where I think we can all acknowledge that it's gone beyond out of control, especially in football, but in other sports as well. Do, do players really need to be playing for the money that they're playing for? What I didn't mention the level? is that the, the lawyers that are doing booming business over in China at the moment are divorce lawyers. Uh, uh, this is an actual are fact. Are you being serious? No, this is an actual fact in China at the moment. After the, uh, the, the stay-at-home isolation, isolation uh, policies and things like that, people just come out the other side going, nah, not for me that. <laughs> Oh, we did love. 20 years virtually love. apart. <laughs> uh, but listen. The- no, no, I can, I can kind of, yeah, if you're stuck. It's yeah, the weird permutations kind of, of the strange world yeah. that we live in at yeah. the moment. Do you know what's even stranger about the world at the moment is that I mentioned earlier on, we spoke to Apollo Perilini, didn't we? And one of the sports, last sports to sort of close their gates um, in the United Kingdom was Super League. We talked about uh, the fact that um, that Super League is, is going to be struggling at the moment. Uh, Rugby League continues down in the Southern Hemisphere. Um, the, if, if that is the case, wouldn't it not be ironic that one of the, on the last day of competition that Super League had, Chris Kamara was commentating as a pundit 
in the world what? of Super League. Yeah. Chris Kamara, as in... Cammy. Was commentating on Rugby Super League. You're kidding me. No, apparently he's a big Rugby League fan, um, and apparently he'd been welcomed into the studio, did his bit for commentary, uh, came in and gave a bit of an analysis afterwards, uh, where he was, uh, well, dragged over coals by a friend of ours, friend of the show, uh, Brian Carney, of course, who oh, yeah. is, the, uh, is, yeah. is one of the uh, anchors for all things <laughs> Super League. Um, and when, when those two got together, well, Carney just couldn't give... Uh, well, he couldn't. He couldn't get. He couldn't let Cammy get away with it, as you will hear now. We're into round seven. We'll conclude round seven here today, and with nearly a quarter of the season gone thus far, we thought it might be an opportune time to have a, a reflection on on some of the highlights of the season so far. Collectively, perhaps it's fair to say that no side has set the competition on fire, but there has been some remarkable individual efforts. So we decided to break it up into the top three tries thus far and the top three hits thus far. We're going to do it alongside Phil and uh, and Chris. Chris, you're going to take us in and. Uh, Look at try number three to start it all off with. Uh, this is absolutely amazing. This is one of the, the, the best tries that you will see. <laughs> <laughs> I think he set you up there, Chris. Oh, is he setting me up? <laughs> you see, Jeff that's what I never rehearsed. <laughs> so you've done me a... <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's, that, that was brilliant, I have to say. You're listening to The Grill on Dubai Eye 103.8. There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com.